hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ballin' up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends. We're like May 2, 4, eh? Like Jesse, May 2-4 weekend is the most stereotypically Canadian holiday out there, eh? Probably is, eh? Are those new glasses that you're wearing today? They're not new, they're not new. My eyes, are, you... bo- my eyes are bothering me, so I'm wearing them today. Oh, so you've put the lunettes on for That's right. today. That's right. When you don't normally wear them on the show? That's correct. But I see you around here in lunettes, then you throw in the you contact look lenses. You look different, yeah, you look different. I might need to up the prescription. You look a little... Fuzzy today. I look, I look a little sexy yeah, today. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah. I'm a little more sexy than normal. Is that what? Yeah, now no, that you can see no. right, you understand. That's Uncle right. Timmy is is a specimen. I knew that. Come on, I knew that already. <laughs> Contacts or glasses? I knew that. A, a specimon with love on. Uh, he's Jesse Rubinoff. I'm Tim McAuliffe. Tim and friends. Two hours of edutainment, setting you up for the night's action, and getting you all the need to know sports news of the day. Game four, Battle of Alberta goes tonight. Coverage starting seven local in Alberta, nine Eastern on Sportsnet. Nick Kiprios, Ryan Leslie, Gene Principe, David Amber, and the legendary Grant Fuhrer all joining the fray as game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. As a former goaltender in the GTHL, That's correct. maybe known as the MTHL when you played. At the beginning it was. Yep. Was Grant Fear one of your guys? No. no. Too early. Too early. Too early. Had posters of him in the basement. Well, that's one of your guys. Just like Kelly or Rudy. one of your dad's yeah, guys. My, yeah, my dad bought the posters. Right. Think, yeah. But Kelly Rudy, I told Kelly when he was in here, like, it's pretty crazy that he's sitting right here when it had, you know, posters of him with the bandana under the helmet. Right. So, yeah, Kelly was a guy. Grant Fear was in the basement, though. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Cujo, big Cujo guy. So you're a big 90s kid. Guy. Yeah. Born in? Toronto. 88. Oh, I thought, yeah, yes, yes, 88, yes, okay. confirmed. Okay. okay. <laughs> I knew the answer myself. Alexa, me. Either way, we're good. So born in 88, yeah, Grant Fuhr. GTHL. A little bit, but 87, like, this is, I mean, there's legends of oh, Grant he is Fuhr. A, yeah, he's a big name. Yeah, and the guy who everyone always said, like, Grant <laughs> Fuhr's legacy was wouldn't let in the next goal. Which I think is important for goalies to understand, no? Stop, like we're, yeah, stop the bleeding. The next one. Yep. He would allow the 6-5 goal and never allow the 6-6 goal. I mean, that's important, especially in that era when the oh, goals are my God, flying like yeah. crazy, right? Gretzky, so, 230 points or whatever, so, yeah. Or, wh- stop or, or whatever. Or you whatever. Can't, you can't or whatever Gretzky's numbers. <laughs> especially after yesterday's anything. conversation. Yeah, no, I cannot. Uh, 92-215. Uh, Jays Cardinals. They're on Sportsnet 1 tonight as the Heat begin to build on Charlie Montoyo. Are you feeling this, the Heat building on Charlie Montoyo and company? (laughs) Yesterday was the the height. So far. The height so far. So far. Yes, no question. Because it could get worse. Jeff Blair is jumping on the show in our opening hour. Major announcement coming from Canada basketball today. Michael Grange will join us to discuss that. No, yeah. Conference finals in the NBA. The Warriors can book their spot in the finals and... Trying to figure out the Celtics and the Heat, well, that's another story for another day. Or just when Michael Grange joins us and trying to make every show almost as good as the end of practice for South Dakota State women's basketball team.
Not again. Not again. What are you doing? This is one roll. So much pressure. She can't make it. No way. It's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. We can try to be as good as the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I mean, that's probably not going to happen. That was very impressive. <laughs> you said South Dakota State. They won the uh, NIT this year. Just looked it up. It's on their Twitter account bio, actually, because I had to click on the Twitter account bio to make sure that I had the right team. Yeah. Not, I mean, <laughs> not, a, not a big watcher of South Dakota State women's basketball, I'm going to be honest. The right NIT, now. yeah. I try watches, and watch a lot of NITs. stuff. You know that. Of course. I'm not a huge. You have, you know, everyone yeah. has a limited amount of bandwidth. Like, you can't do everything. <laughs> that would be impossible. All right. Well, try to be as good as the South Dakota State Jackrabbits women's basketball team. Try. Operative word. But it all starts with Jesse Rubinoff. First things first. So, what's the word, Larry Bird? That's the original, by the way. Can I see? Okay, I'm good. What's the word, Larry Bird? So, you have the glasses on. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be able to see? I I, I got them a while ago. Oh, so the prescription. And I think the prescription may have changed. And I'm just realizing that right now. Oh, okay. So, (laughs) bear with me. This is a a good spot (laughs) to learn. I, I, you still TV. look great, so it's all good. You know? Yeah. So now okay. I know that I look good because it's blurry. Yeah. The Oilers, <laughs> that's good. The Oilers are looking to take a commanding 3-1 series lead tonight. Puck drop at 9.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Sportsnet and CBC. Calgary allowed 41 shots while losing 4-1 in Game 3. Should we expect a big response from the Flames tonight? Feels like now or never, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it feels like now or never for the Calgary Flames. But I, I mean, I have this feeling. In blurred vision or not, do you not kind of sort of see seven games in our future? I mean, like it feels that's what everyone like, would hope for. I would think if you're, I guess if you're an innocent, uh, but it, it feels like it's it feels like it's a seven game series. Like there's no way that Markstrom continues to struggle the way that he struggled so far in this series. Is there? No. I don't think so, unless they have found something on Jacob Markstrom, which I do still feel that's pretty hard to believe. And you heard Elliot say it uh, yesterday. A lot of those goals, I think, in, in Game 3, uh, Game 3 was probably the best game he played. He was outstanding in the first period. And then a lot of those goals were right in front of the net. And, yes, you would like the goalie to come up with some big saves in that spot, but those aren't the easiest saves to make. So maybe he's starting to trend in the right direction, and that would be welcome news for the Flames. Obviously. But a lot of them were sliding in the wrong direction goals. On the fresh ice. On the fresh ice is Kelly Rudy or Craig, Craig Simpson. Simpson. Yeah, yeah Craig, Craig Simpson, Simpson had yeah. that, yeah. There were two sliding the wrong direction or oversliding, mm-hmm. and I wonder if the, uh, the side-to-side movement is what the... Edmonton Oilers have discovered here. Yeah. And I wonder if Chris Tanev, who was on the ice... Now, we're not going to know because Daryl Sutter and Jay Woodcroft are not giving anyone any information, but I feel like Chris Tanev could make a difference if, in fact, he is going to play tonight. Seeing him on the ice was a good sign if you're a Calgary fan. He has been one guy who, career head-to-head against Connor McDavid has done okay, which is hard to do. Yeah, Eight goals, four on the ice time that he has played against McDavid, which is significant. Over, over 250 minutes time on the ice against McDavid. Eight goals for 11 goals against. Like, that's pretty damn good. So 
we saw some of these numbers here from Harmon, and I think that that's pretty significant for anyone against Connor McDavid because, like, you know that saying, you can only hope to contain him? Like, that's literally meant for guys like Connor McDavid. Well, uh, this is a natural segue. Uh, you don't do this uh, very often, but um, you went hot takey with the Connor McDavid is the most dominant athlete in the world right yeah. now and yeah. thus the best athlete in the world. Uh, what did you get back from that take? <laughs> a lot of folks just read the caption. I can tell you that much. I understand it's 2022, but I thought we explained the part about we weren't talking about running, jumping, and pushing weights. Best athlete, like we meant dominating their sport so much so that they would be considered the best of the best. But you were in on the meeting. We both kind of knew it was going to go down that road where mm-hmm. people would just say, what do you mean best athlete? And we got a lot. So here's the feedback. I think Connor McDavid might be the most dominant athlete in the world right now, and I said as much yesterday. Travis D. started us off with the feedback on Instagram with the name that you brought up, Damian Warner. Mm-hmm. Never have or will have a response to a decathlete. Hard to argue with apples and oranges in different sports. Ten different sports. That's apples to oranges to grapes to pears to plums. I think you get the point. Uh, I like at the bottom there, so did Bo Jackson die or something. That's not the incitement, man. I said right now, like three times off of the top yesterday, (laughs) I said best athlete in the world right now. But whatever, I'll take the slander on Instagram. Marcus, just tell me these hockey guys don't know bleep about other sports. I love how I'm not a hockey guy to many and then a hockey guy to others. Shep just not having any of it, if you know what FFS means, Jesse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, DW understood or just watched it, like he watched the whole thing. He said, take a sport, take any sport and pick any athlete who is the most dominant at their sport, breaking records, owning games, taking their team on their back, making others change their game. I thought all that was assumed, Jesse, but it appears as though it wasn't. Yeah, I don't really get it. Like, I said yesterday that I thought it was an indisputable fact. Like, if you look right now, and I think right now is the key word, right? That is very important. If you're losing sight of right now, it opens up a whole different conversation. Right. It's a completely different yeah, conversation. Right. Is. We said LeBron is in the decline. That, Messi, though, Ronaldo, yeah. and the, Serena hasn't been to the top in a while. Lewis Hamilton getting caught. Anyways, so we're talking about apples to oranges yeah. as it begins going across disciplines, but... Obviously, people weren't following along too much. Danny wants me to relax. Uh, he says, where was this monologue a month ago? He hadn't started the single greatest postseason that we've seen since Mario and, May- and Wayne. What the hell are we talking about here? That's why the monologue happened now. Because he's got 23 points in 10 games and dragged his team through the first round and a 2-1 series lead against Calgary. That, that's why it's now. His last two reasons are ridiculous. Just two seasons. Yeah. Two seasons he's been ridiculous, and he goes to another level. It's like it's not like I was saying he was junk before any of this, right? Like, And finally, my favorite, Troy. Oh, Troy. There's no way McDavid could even complete the Tour de France, never mind within the time limit. Troy off the top. Troy. But can he ride a bike? You got me, Troy. You got me. I mean, the beauty of this conversation... You knew that this was going to happen. 
Because this always devolves into no one can agree on you know what an That's athlete is or athleticism, and and you you said that. I like, That's how we clarify con- that. Like, I guess on Twitter and on Instagram, you lose all the context. Mm-hmm. But I would try to give context right now. And comparing disciplines is hard. I understand that. But when we say athlete, we're talking about the most dominant at their sport. They're not always like when Michael Jordan was at his prime. It didn't mean that he ran, jumped or pushed more weight than anyone else on planet Earth. We used to have the superstars for that. Yeah. Do you remember the superstars? Yeah. Or is that too young for <laughs> no, you? No, I remember that. Shout out Brian Budd. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, after, I believe it was, I guess, game three in the Battle of Alberta, we did hashtag TF predict to win the sweater hoodie that Tim is holding up right now. I'm a friend. We asked on Twitter to use the hashtag TF predict and predict the correct score of game three. We had a winner for game three. Congratulations to Sherry Martin for winning the game three, game two. Yeah, it was game two. Who am I kidding? Uh, Sherry Martin for winning the game two uh, TF predict. And we are doing it again tonight. Woohoo! Guess the score of tonight's game along with the correct team to enter. And we will see if we can get it trending like we got it trending to number one for game two. That That's is where correct. We got, yeah. That so, is correct. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends, one we can depend on. Uh, we'll see how many we have today. I am a friend up again. Hashtag People love it. TF predict. That stands for Tim Friends Predict. So who has a hoodie now? Me. You. You. Do you? I, I do not have one. You, okay. I do not have one. It would be, so me and Sherry. That's it, it would be weird for me to wear I am a friend. Although I guess, I guess it could, you do have to be a friend to yourself. I guess. Yeah, yes. I think we all need to be friends <laughs> yeah. to ourselves. Yeah, we do. We got to get so you an I am Tim. you and Sherry are the two that have one now, and she hasn't even gotten hers Respect. in the mail. Respect to Sherry. Uh, yes. <laughs> Respect we got to get you an I am Tim hoodie. See what I did there? Mm. I'm a Tim. I am Tim. Okay. Uh, All right, to uh, something clearly a little bit more sensitive than that. After receiving hateful and racist remarks for colliding with Jordan Bennington in Game 3, Nazem Kadri responded in a big way last night, scoring his first career playoff hat-trick and chipping in with an assist, leading the way in a 6-3 Colorado victory. Timmy, how well do you think Kadri handled this situation? As well as you possibly could have given the situation. He kept calm in his spot. He kept calm in a spot that I don't think I would have kept my calm. He kept calm in a spot that he hasn't kept calm in before. And he made the Blues eat it with an absolute knife and fork with the hat trick and a four-point night. And he even delivered what he needed to deliver post-game with Dan Murphy and then on TNT with their panel. Man, unfortunately, I've been dealing with that for a long time. You know, that's uh, sad to say, but that's just the fact of the matter. I'm getting good at just putting it in the rearview mirror. Um, it's a big deal. I try to act like it's not and uh, just keep moving forward. So, you know, that's what I do. And, you know, I know that doesn't reflect uh, those, some of those messages I got. doesn't reflect every single fan in St. Louis. But, um, you know, for those that, uh, that hate, that one's for them. And I think he mentioned the messages. Like, I think it's really important that we don't just gloss over this again. And it's another one of these situations that we kind of push under the carpet. I think it's important for people to see exactly what he got. And his wife went to social media and posted what they were getting. You have to understand, in my mind, how disgusting people can be over a game. 
And the things that I said yesterday that you and I talked about, like we as a society need to chase down and stop, be it social media, be it the police, like hate speech is a crime. Like you can't say these things to other human beings without some sort of of accountability. Am I wrong on that, Jesse? Like, is that just impossible to do? Or can someone in social media and or the police hire an investigative unit just to send notes to people and say, you could be charged for this? Well, I think the struggle a lot of the times is that there's usually not a name and a face behind the account that's sending hateful remarks. And here there is. Here there is. So I think this is, this opens the door for something, you know, these people to be held accountable. There are I mean, we've seen this before, and you'd be shocked how many names and faces you do see on things like this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's honestly, working in this business that I work in, I'm shocked at how often You've I see You've made that it. point before. I, I've said that to you yeah, off yeah, air. Yeah. I've said that to you on air. I am absolutely shocked with what we kind of, sort of, just accept or want other people to accept. Like calling out names of people specific in your family mm-hmm. and expect, oh, just just slough it off. It's not a big deal. Like, are you kidding me? And let, let me talk to the people who look like me. If, if you're one of those white folks who finds themselves thinking, or even God forbid saying, why is it always about race? Remember this. It's oftentimes about race Because for those who don't look like that, or us, they just have a different sounding name than us. It's always about race. Again, why is it always about race? Because there are a-holes out there who make it about race way before you hear about it. Kadri collides with a goalie. Boom. Ethan Bear plays for a team that loses in the postseason. Here it comes. European Championship. You miss a penalty. Yep. I remember a friend of the show had the audacity of scoring a big goal in Boston. It's always about race because people make it about race. And it's very, very rarely the people you hear making it about race that started it. That is an excellent, excellent point. Uh, and kudos to to Kadri for having the game that he did. He was able to use what happened as fuel for his performance. Three goals, one assist. A lot of crazy on-ice stuff, too. I don't know how much time we have to get into it, but David Perron going after him a couple of times, getting fined $5,000 for the first one, and then had that flyby uh, elbow a little bit later after one of the goals Kadri scored. Uh, so just, just this a was wild dangerous, night. No? Like, was the, the cross-check in the back here and then the jumping on and punching a little more dangerous than a five thousand dollar fine or is that just me could be just me 100 percent. and i said you know i thought kadri would have gotten multiple games for doing this and i understand that he would be a repeat offender in that situation but he's he's a perron jumped on his back and started punching his head like what are we doing here that is that is a suspendable offense it should be a suspendable offense he was defenseless yeah, I don't, I don't get the difference between that and other things that we've Very seen, strange. cross-checks and or attacking someone who's not fighting back, uh, being more than a $5,000 fine. But you couple that with the fly-by elbow, yeah. and Perron got two minutes as a punishment for both of those things. Like, yeah. the cross-check, the punching, and then the fly-by elbow, whether or not he actually was just, is this a warning shot? Did he swing and miss? Like... 
whatever it is in basketball that's a technical like you just the referee looks at you and goes you can't be that stupid but they would never do that in hockey Mm -hmm. even though that was kind of sort of stupid like, yeah. think of what he got away with for two minutes in penalties. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he didn't hit him. So, you know, you, you could make the case that you know, he could have two minutes extra for unsportsmanlike, whatever, you know, the goal had been scored. The Blues would have gone bananas. They, they would have gone, they gone yeah. crazy. But, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can start handing out penalties for something that did not no, happen. No, but we can all agree, and you can not agree with me, but two minutes for what Perron did, cross-check, Jump on, punch to the face, and a fly-by elbow is kind of sort of ridiculous, and you would do it all day. And a $5,000 fine that he's probably not going to be the one who pays for. Right. See you later. Yeah, not good enough. Uh, okay, we are going to talk Lightning Panthers a little bit later. We've got so many guests uh, coming in. They had a chance, too, by the way, the Blues. <laughs> yeah. The Perron thing day. sparked them. It's yeah. crazy. Awesome. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays' bats continue to be ice cold. It's not very good. Paul Goldschmidt hit a walk-off grand slam in the 10th to sink the Jays, but perhaps the bigger story is the Jays going 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. Tim, you've been the voice of reason so far this season, but are we creeping towards that panic button here? This is something that I take very seriously, and to be honest, I never do it alone. Friends, countrymen, I ask you, is it time to hit the panic button? For the Toronto Blue Jays. I leave it in your hands. We will put it out on Twitter. At Tim and Friends. If you think we should hit the panic button. Jeff Blair is going to join me a little later on. We will ask him if we should hit the panic button. Here's what I think. Two games above 500. You got one more with the cards. And then you go to LA to face the Angels. If they come back from that road trip. Against the White Sox at home. Then the Twinkies. If they come back from the Angels under 500. It's not only time to hit the panic button, it might be time for the knee-jerk, reactionary, do-something. I don't know if it's a trade to add another piece. I don't know if you look to the dugout and say, these guys aren't hitting, someone needs to pay for the fact that these guys aren't hitting. But I think that if you got back under 500, that would be the time for things to change, which includes, for me, hitting the panic button. But I know that there are others who are ahead of me. So, on not, so yeah, so not yet, but but very damn close. Close to okay. So they're clearly, uh, in some respect, victim of expectations here because people expected them to be a lot better. They yeah, are technically still in a playoff, still in a playoff spot. Yeah. <laughs> they're two games above 500. Yeah. Uh, but one of the major concerns, as I said, the runners in scoring position. And Charlie Montoyo, after the game, was asked about what's going on with the Jays' bats, and here's what he had to say. I've been around the game for a long time. <laughs> I've never seen a bunch of good hitters kind of like struggling with men in scoring position, you know. I think we're like 2 for 28 the last three games, and that's why we're playing so many close games. But I just know it's, it's going to turn because they're too good. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and the pitcher did what, what they do. They keep us in the game and, you know, and little here play good defense, and we were there until the end again. But, you know, uh, it's going to turn because these guys are – you guys know they're they're a lot better to what they're doing right now, and, and they will. And I believe in that, and and it's coming. I don't know when it's coming, but it will come. There were a lot of people that nitpicked all of that, but it did seem like a different Charlie Montoyo post game than we normally see. Oh, you mean think he's frustrated? Frustrated, rattled, maybe even yeah. like when he says, "I don't know when it's coming." I think people want him to say 
we're going to work at something to get it. You know what I mean? Like, there is just a few things there. And I understand people are pissed and they want maybe a scapegoat and Charlie might be the scapegoat. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're there yet. But it's starting to heat up. I think that's something that, that you can talk to, to Jeff Blair about. It's just, Nate, he's not obviously at the plate. He's, he's not the one swinging the bats in the situation. But sometimes you need a new perspective, a fresh perspective that can maybe grab a little bit right. more out of the talent that you but, have in the dugout. And maybe we're creeping towards that time. Maybe you need a new voice. But you know that that's usually the hitting coach before it's the manager. Yes. There are dominoes. Like if you, yeah, yeah, if you were to go look in the past of teams in a similar situation, it's always the hitting coach first mm-hmm. before it turns on the manager. Even though there are those who have yeah. not been in Charlie's corner from the start. But listen, I will say this, and we'll ask Jeff Blair about it next. I thought that the game came at Charlie quick, and I thought that Charlie's response was keeping these guys loose, making sure that in all those stops they did well, and they did. Mm-hmm. But now it's time to take that next step. Is Charlie the coach to take him for that next step? Still to come, Nick Kiprios in studio for hour number two. Tee up game four. Battle of Alberta. Speaking of Oilers, Flames. A guy who played for both teams, but you remember him as an Oilers legend. Grant Fuhrer will drop by to give his thoughts on the series. Plus David Amber, Ryan Leslie, Gene Principe. All from the rink in Hamilton. And Hamilton. Edmonton, Michael Grange was in Hamilton earlier today. Canada basketball's newsworthy day and the NBA Conference Finals. After the break, it's Jeff Blair. We'll continue Jay's talk. Is it time to panic? We'll discuss. Tim and Friends game day starts here. Goldschmidt hits it out to left and this will do it. Alexander Walker, and he puts his head down and puts his mind to a good luck stopping him. Everybody's got all these philosophies and how we're supposed to play or what we're, how we're, what we're supposed to do. We have to play a good road game. It's not that complicated. Alexa takes the shot. Bottom of the 10th, Goldschmidt is the batter. He's been hitting everybody's breaking ball. The 1 2 hit in the air to left field, and that's going to do it. A walk off grand slam for Paul Goldschmidt. 7 3, the final score. Goldschmidt wins it in the 10th with a two out bases loaded grand slam. The seventh of the season is a dagger on Barucki and the Blue Jays. That's right, kids. Another tough loss for the Jays last night as they got walked off in St. Louis. Back at it tonight. They do get to send Kevin Gossman to the mound against the hard-throwing Jordan Hicks. More velocity for the Jays. Blue Jays Central gets going 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, and you can see it on Sportsnet 1. I screwed up and said Hamilton instead of Edmonton. Last block, because I was thinking of Jeff Blair, who is now joining me from the lovely town. The lovely the city. Place, yeah, Hamilton the place that should have an NHL team. Yeah, I like <laughs> That's that. A That's a different story. Yeah, that is a different story, and there's a lot of politics surrounding that, but we should say BS to those politics and finally get a team there. I completely and utterly agree. Uh, Mr. Blair, we were talking Blue Jays before the break and asking our fan base, 
the friends of the show, whether or not they should hit the panic button. I will not call you a friend of the show because oftentimes off air, you cuss me out on the regular. However... I never do that. <laughs> should we? I would do it button? on air. You know me. I would do it on <laughs> yeah, air. Yeah, you would. That's true. I have no filter. I'd do it on air if I wanted to cuss you out. <laughs> that, believe me. That is true. All right. So should, my show. should we hit the panic button? Uh, I wouldn't. I'd keep it handy. Uh, I, I wouldn't be pushing it necessarily tonight. But if this team comes back from this road trip and is a game under 500, I, I would be tempted to push it. Look, right now they're a game different in terms of uh, record than they were last year. They were 23-19 last year at this time. They're 22-20 now. The difference is that last year they were two and a half games back. They're seven back now. It's early. I generally don't look at games behind leader until the end of June. But for a team that went into the year aiming to win one more game than it won last year and make the postseason, yeah, the playoffs have expanded this year, and the Jays, I still think, are, are going to make the playoffs. Frankly, I think they'll make it relatively easy. But, man, you know, I thought this team was going to win the division this year. I thought this team was capable of going to the World Series. Once you get there, you got a chance of winning it. But right now, uh, this lineup isn't going to get it done. The, listen, pitching has been terrific. Starting pitching right now is first. I understand it's early days, but it's first in the majors and wins above replacement. The Jays' defense is second in defensive runs saved. When have we been able to say that? The only team that has a better defensive record than the Jays in that category or the Houston Astros, there is... So, two-thirds of the things are really good. I would argue that they're probably better than we expected. I did not think this would be one of the best defensive teams in baseball. I did not think it would be the best starting rotation, one of the best starting rotations in baseball. But they're just not hitting. And I don't know how you correct that. You know, if... If if the bullpen was an issue, then you'd say, all right, you go out and make a couple of trades. But I don't know what you do to this lineup short of going out and adding another hitter. And preferably, as my friend Kevin Barker would point out, a left-handed hitter, a hitter, and, and not a Rymel Tapia or a, or a Bradley Zimmer. I mean, gotcha. we're talking an impactful, somebody who's going to play every day. Now, we're not at this point yet, but... I got to think, if you're the Blue Jays, like we know going into the year that, and Ross Atkins has said this, that they they, they kind of, they knew they didn't have enough swing and miss at the back end of the bullpen. Uns, the unstated thing was, hey, that's something we can address as the right. season goes on if it's an issue. It's going to be hard to do that and land an everyday left-handed bat. And that left-handed bat either has to be able to DH every day or play the outfield. And then you get into the question, okay, who sits? Well, you're not sitting George Springer, not sitting Chapman, Bo, Espinal, or Vladdy. So now you're looking at Guriel, and I don't know, Teoscar Hernandez? I, I think you have to ask the question. They've not signed him to a long-term contract yet. Uh, I, I look at him and Lourdes Guriel Jr., and I wonder if you're the Jays. Are you not thinking that maybe we've got to move one of those, one of those two guys? Hmm. And, and, and God knows what happens if Ross Atkins decides at some point that the quote-unquote chemistry needs a shakeup. Right. 
And, you know, that's when you would get into trading a guy like Hernandez. That that was my next follow-up, is like, when do you think, and and you and I have been around long enough to know that every once in a while, you do the shake-up move. Uh, I don't care if it's firing a hitting coach. I don't care if it's looking at your manager. I don't care if it's a deal. Every once in a while, you need to shake up the room with one of those moves. Like, how close are they to that? Is that the same sort of trajectory as the panic button? This is this is a really patient uh, management yeah. group. Yeah. But they've got three hitting coaches. Right? <laughs> they've got they've got a hitting strategist. They've got an assistant hitting coach, and they've got a hitting coach. Um, and and I'll say uh, this: any of them, Dante Bichette. Never mind. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say this too. You know, much was made of the fact that the Jays exercised the option on 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 Charlie Montoyo in spring training. To me, it was kind of a half-assed vote of confidence. I, and, and what I mean by that is, mm-hmm. it's not like you've gone to Charlie and said, we want you to manage the team for another four years. You know what I'm saying? It's not like yep. it's a long-term commitment. Yep. Look, we know that this ownership will spend money. We know that this ownership isn't afraid to swallow you know, a, a sunk cost. And if the sunk cost is a manager instead of a Kirby Yates, then I can see them doing it. Because, again, i got to get back to this. This was about... Win. Going to the World Series this yeah. year. This was about being the best team in the American League. Okay, let me, That's what it was about. Let me ask you this then. Do you think, and listen, I, I am a, I'm a Charlie guy. I think the last few years were about bringing this young group to a spot where you could be where you are right now. And to do that with all that they fa- all the obstacles that they faced over mm-hmm. the last couple of years is really impressive. Now take that next step. Is Charlie Montoya your manager when you take that next step? Because, again, you and I have been around before or long enough to know that sometimes there are managers that get you there and then managers that take you over the hump. Yeah, Timmy, I thought at the end of last season he was. Mm -hmm. And I needed to be convinced. So I thought at the end of last season, okay, a game out given everything they've gone through. uh, Yeah, I I certainly – I, I didn't think there was any reason not to give him another chance. No. I, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I don't know where the blame lies in this day and age when there's so many cooks in the kitchen and analytics are so heavily involved, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, everything is like a group is is a group decision here. But I really do think that given what expectations were for this team, like this isn't a month now. This is about seven weeks where a bunch of guys aren't hitting, Charlie's moved the lineup around. You know, I'm not buying the excuses about Teoscar Hernandez anymore unless he's still hurt. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, don't know, I don't know what you do. Uh, but I do believe, I, I do believe that you know, some, some, some changes have to be on the table because you, you just can't keep on doing this. You just can't keep on doing it. And, you know, there's kind of a lesson, I think, for this team with the Leafs in some ways. You've got these guys, Bo and Vladdy, for a while. You do have them under control. There's no salary cap in baseball. But you can't waste year after yeah. year after year or piss away year after year after year. You've got to win at some point in the next two years with these guys. Yeah, you I, just have to. Yeah, I almost even think that the, the way the starting rotation is pitching forces the hand of management because you know you can't keep that around forever. You've got some control there. But it won't last forever. What you've done there has worked. Now make it work everywhere else. Uh, Mr. Blair, I, I 
I don't appreciate the fact that I have to make you work more than your allotted space today, but I do appreciate that you have done it for us. No worries, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. There is uh, Jeff Blair in Hamilton joining us here on Tim and Friends. All right, so what's the latest, Jesse, on the poll and the panic button and whether or not people want me to push it? 59.4% panic. Wow. Last call. Stick around. We'll see where that poll is and whether or not we are hitting the panic button today. This is The People's Show. What the people say will go. Time for a break. Michael Grange joins the fray when we return. It's been blowout after blowout in the NBA conference finals so far. We'll also talk some Canadian basketball. Next. Countdown to the Battle of Alberta on Tim and Friends, but also a big day for the Canadian men's basketball team as they announced their 14-player summer core, as they put it, who have all committed to the team through the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. This commitment comes following their disappointing loss at last summer's Olympic qualifying tournament in Victoria. Head coach Nick Nurse has talked a lot about building chemistry and cohesion in the program, and today that put that plan in place. 14 players that have made the three-year commitment are Nikhil Alexander-Walker, R.J. Barrett, Ken Birch, O'Shea Bichette, Dylan Brooks, Lugensdort, Zach Eady, the lone collegian for now, Melvin Edgem, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, Corey Joseph, Jamal Murray, Kelly Olenek, Kevin Pangos, and Dwight Powell. And notably absent from the list is Andrew Wiggins, who did play for Canada last summer in Victoria, but currently looks like he is headed to the NBA Finals. Coach Nick Nurse was asked about Wiggins earlier today. He just said, listen, I love playing for the team. I had a great experience this summer. He said, I can't commit to three summers in a row, um, but I want to play. And I said, okay. So as Rowan's already explained, I said, here's how it works. I said, if you commit, you're in. If you don't commit, you're going to have to hope there's a spot or two open and you're going to have to make the team. He said, cool. Make the team. Hmm. All right. Happy to have uh, booked fellow Team Canada geek Mike Grange on the show today. <laughs> Welcome back, Mike. And I mean geek in the most flattering way possible. You know that, right? I, what other way is it? <laughs> so what do you make of the 14 names and then the Andrew Wiggins add-on? Well, I thought it's a, it's a great moment uh, for this program. And for so long, the when it comes to the summer team, the national team, in, in the, trying to put their roster together in the summer, particularly in the NBA era, so to speak. It's mm-hmm. been kind of like, ask nicely, hope they show up, and then kind of don't try and get your feelings hurt too badly when some of the players don't show up. And that's kind of overstating a bit. I mean, the majority of guys do come, and, and there's usually good reasons when they don't. But I think by putting this out there and saying, look, these 14 guys are on it, um, because they've said they want to be on it as we build towards these major events next summer, the World Cup or the summer after uh, the Olympics, you're kind of drawing a line in the sand a little bit. And you're saying, you know, being part of this is a special thing. And, and we're giving you an opportunity to be here and be a part of it now. And I think that's a, an important message to get across. I think the guys who have stepped up and put their names out there deserve to be commended. Um, you know, the devil will be in the details. I yeah. think that's fair to say. <laughs> yes. But, um, you know, I think it was an important 
uh, message to send, and, and it reflects well on Rowan Barrett, who's worked really hard to make this happen. It reflects well on Nick Nurse, who I think who's you know kind of got a bit of the punch to help make it happen, and uh, hopefully it'll pay off. This this is kind of what Coach K got, like the buy-in with Team USA that altered their culture, shall we say, in the program? Yeah, that's a really good uh, comparison, a good analogy. Um, never di- a direct one. Obviously, with the United States, the pool there is always so much bigger. But, you know, when Jerry Colangelo took over as the, the head of USA Basketball and then, uh, you know, Coach K came in you know, after some really embarrassing times for, for that program, you know, they said, look, you know, we need continuity. We need guys who are going to go to a World Cup and go to an Olympics. And, you know, they've been able to build on that. And, like, you know, the Canadian situation is a little bit different, but there are kind of a surplus of NBA players. There are, you know, a growing surplus of elite world-class players. And so to identify those that, that want to be part of it, um, you know, and maybe maybe kind of lead the, lead the charge in that respect is a good strategy. And um, listen, you know, they had to do something because right. as we've seen in recent years, some of the other approaches didn't quite work. And um, I think this is a, a, a smart next step. Okay, two quick questions on this. Do you think Andrew Wiggins will play? I kind of thought and think he will, and it's. But I think it's fair to say, and this is where the details come into this. Right. You know, it is very clear if the fourteen guys on this list are ready and available to play, he won't. Like unless somebody's saying something behind closed doors, they weren't saying on this on the you know on the podium today. Right. Um, but the reality is, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to have a contract situation. Something is going to come up. Right. And if Andrew Wiggins is available and there's a spot there, I'd be shocked if they say, sorry, uh, you can't come. And what do they do in the windows that are during the NBA season? Are we getting back to uh, the European pros, U sports, and college players? Well, we're staying with that model. I mean, this is right. called the summer core <laughs> because right. these guys are only available in the summer. Right. And that's for the, where the big events are, you know, the World Cup and, and the Olympics in particular. Um, so the winter core will have to do the hard work and get them there and fly to Chile on short notice and play games that no one really do pays all the that much attention things. to. And, yeah. and thank, and, you know, Canadian basketball fans should thank them all. Yeah. But uh, it'll be interesting, for example, on July 1st when Canada hosts Dominican as part of that World Cup qualifying here in Hamilton, how many of the guys of this 14 will play in that game versus how many of the winter core will play? And we'll see how some of the complications in this work out. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, Hamilton on Canada Day, Canada versus Dominican Republic with that many NBA players in the gym. Uh, that should be fun. All right, I want to squeeze in some NBA here, unless you have anything else that you want to add on Canada basketball. Because if you do, I know that you are... <laughs> How much time do you got? <laughs> so. You want to talk Zach Eady here? Is that where we go? Well, no, I, I just think that there's just, like I said, there are some good... It's going to be interesting to see how this evolves because you have yeah. a guy like Zach Eady who's been added to the list who's very unproven, like a ton of potential, seven foot four. Yeah, but they don't have any size. Like, they need size. Big. Yeah. But, you know, will he really be the best guy for that roster spot if Canada goes to the Olympics in 2024? The flip side is you've got the, you know, Ben Matherins of the world or the Andrew Nemhards or, right. uh, you know, and on and on. Shaden Sharp. What if, yeah. what if those guys blow up and they're not on the list, right? right? What are you going to do then? So I think it's going to be an interesting balancing act, but – um, you know, that, that's these are really good problems to have. Yeah, those are and, and problems that, let's be frank, when you and I were in university, we thought would never, ever happen to Canada basketball, and that's where we're at. Totally agree. Yeah. Okay, so, so 
I mean, we've got less than two minutes here, so it feels I silly. Can do it. it feels silly to squeeze in the NBA, but just I'll just ask this: Do you have any clue what to expect game to game in the health, in the Heat Celtic series? No, obviously you can't. I mean, you don't even know who's playing. Uh, the injuries are really proving to be a factor in that series. You've got what four games now in a row. There's been at least a 26 point lead one way or the other, something like that. Some outrageous number. Um, no close games, and yet the series is locked at two, and we don't know what's going to happen in, the, in this now best of three series. So um, the one thing we are seeing is defense is getting tighter and tighter and tighter. It's getting tougher and tougher to score. So I kind of give the Celtics the advantage just because, for example, this guy Jason Tatum has shown that he is uh, you know, one of the top three scorers in the world right now, and I think that's enough with the other guys the Celtics have. Uh, Jalen Brown and on and on that, that they'll be able to overcome what the Heat can throw at them. I, I will say this. If, if they were fully healthy, this thing wouldn't even be close. And I know that Kyle Lowry has been in and out of this series, but Robert Williams defensively on Bam Adebayo and Marcus Smart defensively, like, I don't know if I've seen a team play this tight for a long time. Yeah, that's a great observation. And, and of course, you know, you got Jimmy Butler, who's kind of, a little, you saw what he did in game one and his knee's been acting up. He didn't even yeah. get to the free throw line in game four. That's unheard of. So you wonder how healthy they are. I, I do agree. I think two teams, these two teams healthy. I think the Celtics do have the edge. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about their offense. Their defense gotcha. is looking almost historic. But, again, I would not count out the Heat if they are healthy, if if uh, Jimmy Butler can somehow <laughs> get a miracle injection and, and Kyle Lowry's hamstring can – you know, just give them a little bit more boost because, uh, you know, this is these are two really tough, smart, well-coached teams. We've run out of time. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Timmy. Uh, geek in the most flattering way possible, Michael Grange. Other side, we shift our focus to hockey. We'll geek out on the Battle of Alberta next right here on Timmy. and more. Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs and play Sportsnet's This Is Big Contest. It is rocking at Rogers Center. A nice diving catch. The two-one pitch. Driven to left field and the Blue Jays win. Sportsnet. French fries, very, very French fries. Oh, la, 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 la. Look at all of those real cheese curds. Oh, and delicious gravy. Oh, la, 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 la. Makes me say bon appétit à vous. Give your taste buds something to sing about at New York Fries. The mountains or the seashore? Into the city or far from it? You and all your friends or just you and the open sky? The experiences we never forget come from the choices we make, including this one, the Wagoneer, or the Grand Wagoneer. Grand Adventures, the choice is yours. If you're sitting there thinking about quitting, don't, because today we are not afraid of growth. We are built to do hard things. I want you to feel alive today. You are a plate of fajitas at a packed restaurant turning heads. Sizzle, baby! Sizzle! Keep sizzling. Great things take time. You are tougher. Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Be a part of the action with the Fed Rivers Sportsbook app. 
Score big with same game parlays where you can combine the excitement of different bets all from the same game. Like the money line, check. Puck line, check. And player props, check. Plus, with fast payments including Interact e-transfer, you'll never miss a shift. Download the BetRivers Sportsbook app today on iOS and Android. BetRivers Sportsbook. It's a whole new game. Renewing your mortgage can be stressful. But with Nesto, it's stress-free. We offer you the lowest rate right from the get-go while providing unbiased advice unique to your situation. Like Ryan's here. Glad we turned to Nesto to renew our mortgage. It was so quick and there was no catch. I wish there was a Nesto for everything. Save big on your mortgage with our best rate guarantee. Find a better rate and Nesto will beat it or give you 500 bucks cash. Call us today or visit nesto.ca. Men put their skin through a lot, day in, day out. That's why Dove Men Body Wash has skin-strengthening moisturizers that help rebuild your dry skin. Dove Men Plus Care. Smoother, healthier-looking skin with every shower. Eggs? For lunch? Yeah, I eat them all the time. They're easy. That's weird. It's not weird. You're weird. You went to the rodeo one time. Eggs for lunch isn't weird. You're weird for thinking it's weird. I never thought I was going to... Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Ah, this should be good. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends. Full hour on Sportsnet and 360 Ahead of the Canes and Rangers game four. And, of course, numero cuatro, Battle of Alberta. Nick Kiprios in studio for the hour coming up. Plus, Grant Fuhr, Oilers legend, David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada legend. So, pitter-patter. Let's get at her, kids. The Oilers have the momentum after Sunday's complete performance. But Flames have been in the spot before as they trail the Stars 2-1. In the first round, Chris Tanev took morning skate. No word on whether or not he will return tonight after missing the last four games. All right, with more on tonight's crucial game four, let's head out to Edmonton. First man up, Gene Principe. Hey, Gino, what's going on? Hey, Tim. Well, uh, uh, numero cuatro, right? Uh, It is uh, game four, and this uh, could turn out to be the pivotal game in this series. Uh, For the Edmonton Oilers, they're trying to avoid what happened in the opener of the 2022 playoffs, and that's not the final result against L.A., but they were up 2-1 in a great position. Then they felt like they played their worst game of the opening round in game four, lost game five, and they were uh, one loss away from being eliminated. They bounced back to win game seven and six, not necessarily in that order and now find themselves in the second round. Now, one of the things that's been interesting is the verbal jabbing that's been going on between uh, Vander Kane, uh, Milan Lucic, Zach Cassian's been involved. And I thought Cassian spoke well this morning about, listen, Edmonton's a, a fast team, a skill team. We know that Calgary is also a skill team. They're built a, a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit stronger with Milan Lucic leading the way. So it, are the Oilers interested in getting into that kind of a game or are they interested in just playing their game, which has led to success so far in the plans that's the narrative you guys are paying we're here to win a series I think the way we've played the last two games I think we need to continue to play that way we need to be disciplined we need to play fast um need to stay out of the crap I think last game is a 
is a big turning point. We felt good about ourselves, but we know Calgary is a really good team. Let's be honest. We're in the second round of the playoffs. We know that they're just not going to lay over and die. Um, the series is far from over. Yeah, it was interesting to see uh, Zach Cassian and Milan Lucic in game one after Lucic had, uh, laid out a, a really uh, hard hit, but a clean hit against Connor McDavid. But uh, Milan was really going in that game. And I think if you're the Oilers, you just, you, you don't want to bug him, right? You just, just let him play his game and uh, let him go up and down his wing and try not to get him that engaged in the game, certainly physically. One thing I will say is I think tonight's going to be one of those long games, lots of after-whistle stuff. Uh, I think even maybe overtime, and as a result, Tim, I'm I'm prepared because I I think Uh-oh. it's going to be one of those. It could be maybe like a single, <laughs> maybe double <laughs> overtime, and so that? I'm just ready yeah, to go here right. at Rogers Place. We still have a few more hours before the game, and now despite the fact I'm not as big as fan, I do like to share, and most of the time he's a very nice guy. So I'm going to just toss things over to uh, Ryan Leslie. Oh, he's over there. That. Hang on, I don't know if I can throw it that far. Hold on. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> I don't think it made it. No. I, I don't, don't think, think it made it. I don't think it made it either. Not Ryan, even close. Ryan Leslie, <laughs> do you have your popcorn ready? <laughs> Let it in now. <laughs> uh, it is a pleasure, as always, to uh, clean up that mess that is uh, Gene Principe. Uh, thanks for having us. Uh, Gene will take it from here. Uh, the adult table. Um, listen, uh, you also heard Zach Cassian this morning talking about uh, how he didn't want to pump Connor McDavid's tires because he was sitting right beside him. But this whole thing has been about Connor McDavid, and the Flames are certainly tired of talking about him. And they want to try and obviously focus on him, but they really do need to focus on their own game, Tim. And certainly that's been a big challenge because of how dominant uh, 97 has been. But they've got to try and figure out a way to do that tonight. Uh, they're not going to change uh, any. Anything with their lineup tonight, there looks as though they're going to go that way. Although, as you mentioned, Chris Tanev did skate this morning. Wouldn't it be something if he snuck in there and made a guest appearance in mm-hmm. tonight's game four? So, uh, lots of intrigue heading into this one. It is a crucial one, as Gene said. And as far as, uh, you know, there's no shortage of advice that uh, the media and certainly fans throughout this entire province are giving the Calgary Flames and Daryl Sutter, although I think he's got an idea of how to do it. We gotta play a good road game. That's I mean, everybody's got all these philosophies and and uh, how we're supposed to play or what we're how we're what we're supposed to do. We gotta play a good road game, right? We because we lost at home because they scored a short-handed goal with 10 minutes left to win the game. So it's not it's not that complicated. We gotta play a good road game. They do indeed. Uh, they really do indeed. And uh, they have been in this situation before, you'll recall, as mentioned uh, probably numerous times throughout the day to anybody talking about this series. The Flames have been in this situation before like they were against Dallas. They feel good about this game coming in. They feel good about trying to have their best game of the series. They haven't played it yet, so they figure it's time. They've taken the best that the Oilers have given so far, and they're trying to dictate here tonight and right. maybe get a little momentum heading back home, Timmy. Uh, listen, Leslie, I know that you and Gene have the fun back and forth, but you're going to pick up that popcorn, right? <laughs> it's his town. I'll do whatever he tells me to. Let's be honest. No, it's Gene a, Principe. What that's, you, that's a lot of As popcorn. I said to him today, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making you think he didn't exist. That's Gene Principe. 
Uh, Ryan, appreciate you doing this as well. I actually appreciate both of you doing this as always. Battle of Alberta. Here's the schedule tonight immediately following us on Sportsnet East Ontario and Pacific. It is game four from Madison Square Garden. Kings and Rangers then 9 Eastern on Sportsnet West. It is Hockey Central followed by the Flames and the Oilers on Sportsnet West and CBC. Speaking of MSG, the man sitting to my left once won a cup for the fans at MSG. It is Nick Kiprios. What's going on, Kipper? How are you, man? Just for the record, and I don't think I'm exaggerating, mm-hmm. and I probably would need a triple header, but I could eat that whole bag. <laughs> are you a popcorn, popcorn. guy? Oh, I, it just doesn't end. <laughs> you got to pull it away from me. My wife's like, Oh, my God, would you stop the, eating that stuff? That's the healthy one, right? Like, you could, it could be chips. Yeah. It could be gummy it bears. It could be big feet. Uh, Jesse is an expert on what's good for you and what yeah. isn't. That's Granola why bad. And Santa popcorn good. Johnny a little empty, though. Yeah, good fiber in popcorn, oh, okay. I believe. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. You it. can't butter and salt it up. But No, uh, that, that if, makes it bad. Yeah, if you lose the butter and salt, then you're good to go, Nikki. I love it. Looking for some now. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about this game. Did you hear anything there that stuck out to you? Uh, other than how do you stop Connor McDavid? Right. Like, that, that has to be the top priority here. Uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk said it uh, best. We're, we're getting killed by one guy. And what he's doing is absolutely phenomenal. We talked to Kevin Lowe today on Real Kipper and Bourne. And, mm-hmm. The comparisons to Gretzky and what teams do now to stop dominant players of this level. And it should be a little easier for Connor to go through what um, the new rules will allow. Like mm-hmm. the one thing that Kevin Lowe said is that Gretz had to deal with all that clutching and grabbing and finding different ways to try to slow the game down. Of right. course, you can't do what you did back then to a guy like this. Um, but that's going to be the ultimate challenge tonight is uh, how do you feel good about uh, just giving up two points to this guy and not four? Okay, so we're, not, we're, we're officially in that level. Like, we're going to talk to Grant Fuhrer in a couple seconds here. Grant, obviously. I think I remember him. Yeah, he obviously played with Wayne Gretzky. Like, are, are we getting to the point where we're seriously putting Connor McDavid in Gretzky and Mario Lemieux-like levels? The, the numbers suggest it. Yeah. Uh, that's all you need to know. And historically, that's what we've ever gone First and foremost is how do the numbers compare? Forget about the era. Just how do the numbers compare? And his numbers are off the charts. And uh, again, if you're if you're talking about uh, the, the just strictly dominating a game and and how he affects the game, and you know not only does he affect it when he's on the ice, but off the ice, who do you have out there? Who do you wait? Who do you sit and wait? Uh, uh, if, if you're Calgary and Daryl Sutter and on matching up the guys. And, and right now, if you want to go head-to-head, that's fine. But you're getting outstarred. Goudreau is getting outstarred by McDavid. And that's an issue in itself. Uh, the big line for Calgary has got to find a way to at least curtail the domination of, of Connor McDavid and, and now Kane as well. Have they been able to do things like, listen... Uh, Nikita Zadorov and, and Eric Branson and guys like th- we've seen them have an effect in say the Stars series where playing big and, and punishing guys but 
when they're matched up against this, it, yeah. it, it seems like it's a completely different story, and Markstrom's wearing it. Is is half of this on how they defend, and would Chris Tanev change that? Yeah, I think Chris would. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, we heard from Ryan moments ago saying, hey, wouldn't it be great? Yeah, it would be great. Uh, but even if he is by chance in the lineup, how effective is he going to be? Right. This guy is a, a horse. He's a... A guy that doesn't miss very often games. So if he's had this amazing consecutive streak in, in his career, how hurt is he that he's not playing? Yeah, for sure, yeah. So even if he comes in, I think he'd probably be a, a seventh defenseman. You can't take a chance of pulling someone else that's a lot healthier in for the chance that he can come back and be at only 50 or 60%. So I'm not sure it's a great option right now. Yeah. Still, if he's not feeling strong enough to go head-to-head against uh, McDavid. But give Calgary's defense credit all season long. They've done it by committee. There right. is no headman. Right. There's no Drew Doughty. They're a little overwhelmed right now. And what's hurting Calgary is probably the lack of experience to go through something like this with many of their D. They came in with career playoff games of 10 and 15 games. Right. Tan is one of those guys that has uh, a few more under his belt and even Zadorov in his days of Colorado, but I'm not sure it's enough to stop 97. Speaking of Colorado and uh, in the 90s, number 91 on Colorado had himself a game last night under extreme circumstances, uh, chased out of Toronto because he couldn't control his emotions in big spots. That was a pretty big test last night. Yeah, it was, but it's also that the, the Leaf management couldn't control him as well, and uh, you know, Colorado had a pretty good reason to let him go at the end of last year with another yep. uh, very controversial hit on Justin Falk. But they chose not to. Joe Sackett chose not to what he probably thought would be the easy way out of, of, of give, getting rid of a very talented player. Mm-hmm. And they, they stuck through it. The Leafs didn't. And I'm not sure today if they've got remorse. Probably. But... You know, give this guy full credit under those circumstances last night to come in and have a a lifetime game uh, with a hat trick. Uh, Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. But it also, like I said, give Joe Sackett credit, who decided to keep him for another year and weigh out the pros and cons. Pros are that he's a hell of a talent and you still had him at a number at $4.5 million. Not seven or eight. And that's a huge difference uh, and would have been a difference for the Leafs had they kept him. Yeah, you can hear Leaf fans right now saying, that's just the kind of guy we need. Yeah. Wait, wait a second. It does wait happen. a second here. So let me, let me just follow up with Kadri because obviously that's a huge spot. And without Bennington, it seems like this series is done. Have you seen enough from Colorado to say this is a team that whoever they match up with they're going to be the favorites? Or is that experience that you're talking about maybe in, say, a Tampa, something that you would make I, the favorite? I got to think that uh, there's a collision somewhere down the road between a team like Tampa and Colorado. Uh, Bennington was their hope of extending this series to maybe seven games. He yeah. was good. Yeah. He was really good. He was really good, yeah. And, you know, Kadri had an opportunity to crash the net hard on what could have been around a hockey play. Could he have held up? Yeah, wait, probably. Wait, wait. But Are you suggesting that he, oh, you think he could have held up? It's, yeah. it's, it's a hockey play. It's a loose puck. He 
totally within his uh, uh, the boundaries to go hard into a play. And yeah, that's one thing Tim consistent about era to era is that uh, it, it is this time of year where you go and disrupt goalies. You play them hard. You yeah. give them something to think about. And Kadri did it. I did it almost twenty over twenty five years ago. Right. And thanks to Kadri, it's been. You know, mentioned a few times this week, <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> but it has been mentioned it, it, a few times, it, it's yeah. there. Uh, at no time was it ever uh, uh, a, a situation where you thought he could be suspended or two right. uh, for for a game or two. He plays the game hard, and uh, again, for him to rise up to the occasion to to play the way he did last night under those circumstances, around his family and him personally, man, tip his hat. Uh, that kid, uh, Grant Fear, that we were talking about earlier, how about we take a break, come back with him <laughs> and uh, David Amber? Sure. I think that's a pretty good lineup. Sounds uh, good. We'll take the break. When we come back, we are joined by the legend. No longer a kid, just the legend. Grant Fuhr, who may know a thing about the Battle of Alberta, will get his take on the series and more next, right here on Tim and Friends. Game four of the Battle of Alberta, about three hours away. Oilers looking to take a 3-1 stranglehold. They're in the same spot against the Kings. Round number one didn't do so well in game number four, something they are determined not to do again. We don't want to look at the past too much, but, you know, I think we can learn from the last series. Um, You know, obviously game four was probably our worst of the series, and... um, you know, I think it's an opportunity for our group tonight to uh, to show that we le- we've learned our lesson and um, you know bring our A game tonight. We have a belief that there's room for greatness from everybody in our dressing room, and um, there's different ways to contribute to uh, team wins. And that's the time of year it is. It's the wee time of year. When you talk about legends of the Battle of Alberta, Mr. Kiprios. You can't complete any convo without the name of our next guest. He's a Hockey Hall of Famer. He's a five-time Stanley Cup winner. Name one of the 100 greatest players of all time. And you can currently see his number in the rafters and on Mike Smith's mask. It is Grant Fuhr. Grant, thanks for jumping on and doing this. We appreciate it a lot. How are you? Things are good, thanks. How about you guys? Very good, very good. I got to ask, is watching this series brought back some memories for you? You know what? The Battle of Alberta is always fun to watch. I think that's the fun part. I mean, it hasn't been as mean as I thought it would get yet, but I have a feeling that might change. Yet. Grant, you had a pretty good view of a, a, of a special hockey player in your heyday, um, and, and you watch teams this time of year try to control them, try to intimidate them, get them off the score sheet. Uh, when you watch McDavid and maybe what Calgary has to do to stop him, I, I got to think the comparables have got to be pretty close. Oh, I'd agree with you. I mean, I think that's the one thing. He's kind of the catalyst of what makes Edmonton go. And for Calgary to be successful, they're going to have to find a way to disrupt that. And so far, they haven't been able to do that. Did you think we would get to a point where we were – because honestly, I didn't think we would ever get to the point where we would talk about guys in the same class as Mario and Wayne again. Like, are we fair to put McDavid in that bracket? And did you think we would get to this point? I wasn't sure I would see it in my lifetime, but you know what? He's kind of in that category. I mean, there's still a ways to go. I mean, Wayne and Mario have both been successful. They both got cups. 
but he's making everybody around him better. And I think that's kind of my vision of a superstar is that you've got to make the players. Well, looks like we've frozen. There we go. Let's see if we can sort this out with uh, Mr. Oh, there it is. I think, I think we're back. I think you froze for a second there, Grant, but uh, you're back with us and in full effect. So we'll continue on. Hey, I I mentioned uh, Mike Smith's mask. Did you know he was going to put your name and number on his mask? I didn't, but it's actually kind of cool. So I still get to live in the Battle of Alberta. Now it's vicariously. <laughs> when we look at uh, what's around Connor McDavid, uh, is it even more remarkable what he's been, been able to do? Because, you know, we, Wayne was Wayne. There's no question about that. But we're also talking about historically one of the best defensemen in the history game and Paul Coffey. Uh, Curry, of course, uh, and, and yes, Dreisaitl has been unbelievable. But outside of that, you know, it, it does drop significantly when you talk about uh, building a talent pool around Connor McDavid. Who is the key guy for you outside of Dreisaitl that's really helping Connor McDavid right now? Uh, you know what? I think the addition of Hyman's been really good. I think adding Evander Kane has given them a little bit more bite. And he's got some offensive skill to go with that. So, to me, those are the two biggest acquisitions that have made them more of a complete team. Uh, I mean, we were talking about this earlier. We feel like it might be a seven-game series. And there's a goalie on the other side who's nominated for the Vesno Award. But it seems like, um, you know, the Oilers have had Jacob Markstrom's number. Did you ever feel when you were playing, that there was just a team that had your number? Like, it's hard to believe that a guy that's been this good for this long this year, struggling this much in this series, did, did it ever feel to you like someone just had your number? Uh, you know what? It can happen at times. And there's certain teams. I used to struggle a little bit with Chicago. But at the same time, it can change in a heartbeat. So it's, it's something that when you have a guy doubting his confidence a little bit, you want to continue with. Because if he has that one good game... It can turn everything around very quickly. Hey, Nick and I were just uh, we're just talking about uh, goalie contact around <laughs> this time of year, and we were t- <laughs> we were talking perhaps a little bit about uh, Jordan Biddington and can uh, I do this and Nazem Kadri and can I do this? Yeah, sure, sure. Fierzy, I thought I was out of the woods, man, with St. Louis Blue fans, and it's buried. It's water under the bridge. And then Kadri gets me in all this hot water again by making contact with Bennington. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go again. <laughs> Did you know, you... It's playoff time, and your goalies get run into in the playoffs. That's just the name of the game. Nobody means to hurt anybody. It's just the fact that you bump into goalies, you talk to goalies, you fall on goalies, especially if they're playing well. I mean, that's the that's a one of it's the sign – that you're actually doing something right is when guys want to bump into you and talk to you. So it's part of the game, unfortunately. It happens. Do you think they uh, Do you think they need to do more to protect those keepers a little bit? I mean, uh, we were just watching the video of that. You know, perhaps, uh, perhaps more people need to step in here. Uh, you know what? If it's a little meaner around the net, guys don't get to fall on the goalie as much. But 100% true. And... Uh... Listen, I, I mean, I paid the price with Pronger and, and those type of guys, and I also had to answer to a, a, a guy named Tony Twist as well. Um, <laughs> ultimately, you know, the game changes in so many ways, but that part of the game, I think, Grant, will always be around. 
Would you agree with that? You know what? I agree with you totally. And it's always going to be a part of the game. I mean, if you look at the Bennington one, that one's he's chasing a rebound and there's a defenseman there. And yeah, if you're going to take if the opportunity is there to have the defenseman kind of tie you up a little bit and you've got a chance to crash the net, you're going to crash the net. One, you're looking for a rebound. Two, yeah, if you can create a little havoc around the net, you're going to do that. That's part of playoff hockey. You know, the, the good part about I don't know if you followed the storyline, but allegedly Bennington threw a water bottle <laughs> at, at, um, at Naz, and uh, I, I can't recall you ever throwing anything at me, so I, I, I thank you for that. You know, it's one of those things where you understand the game a little bit, and do you like things like that that happen? No, but does it happen? Yeah, it is, and it'll happen from now till the end of eternity. It's playoff hockey. It doesn't matter what the league does to try to protect that. That's just the way playoff hockey is. And the further along we go, there's going to be more collisions with goalies. Every game's going to have one somewhere. So it's, it is what it is. That, that's awesome. Uh, before we let you go, uh, I love the reminiscing, though. I, I know you're doing some coaching with the Three Ice League. Think Big three for hockey, barnstorming across the United States, stops in London and Quebec City. Three-on-three hockey league should be some fun, especially because you don't have to play in that, eh? Uh, you know what? It'll be a lot more fun standing behind the bench, but I'm kind of a still an old-fashioned guy. I like offensive hockey, so if the games are 6-5, 5-4, I'm good with that. Well, what made you want to get involved in something like this? Uh, you know what? Craig Patrick asked me if I'd be interested, and I enjoyed coaching. So it's a way for me to get back into the game and have some fun with it. And it's the best side of the game. It's the offensive side. Uh, for those who want more info, three, the number three, ice.com. That's three, ice.com. Listen, Grant, uh, this was great catching up with you. Appreciate you doing this and, and sharing the smiles. Always a pleasure. Eventually, Kipper, they're going to let you off the hook. <laughs> Thanks, Fierzy. <laughs> I don't know. Have you let them off the hook? I have. All right, all right. So if, if Grant's done it, then the rest can do Listen, it. Listen, if, if he didn't let me off the hook, yeah. I'd be on an island somewhere <laughs> just retiring. And, and like, in all honesty, yeah. uh, Grant has been unbelievable in terms of uh, talking about it and uh, trying to explain people about, about the game this time of year. And uh, he's been a perfect gentleman. I can't thank him enough. Awesome. Appreciate you, Grant. Pleasure, guys. Take care. There is uh, Grant Fuhrer, who, again, you can see coaching one of those teams, 3ice.com. So he did, I mean, listen, answering to Tony Twist is, is Chris Pronger. Like, the, yeah. those are, Chris Pronger, for those who don't remember, was one of the nastiest defensemen that you could possibly have yeah. and extremely valuable because he was that nasty. Yeah. And Tony Twist may be the all-time yeah. heavyweight champion And I, in the I, I wouldn't even begin to say that I, I, I could compare that, you know, what, what Naz is going through today right. on it. But I can tell you that going into the next game after uh, colliding with Grant, mm -hmm. uh, I had to go back into St. Louis, and they had security with me. They told me not to leave the dressing room, not to walk around. I think I did one uh, interview for ESPN that I was es escorted. Like It was a horrible time right. that, um, that Grant Fuhrer was now out of the series. I wanted to go disrupt the St. Louis Blues. I wanted right. to piss him off, piss everybody else off. But when I saw him uh, limping off the ice, I got sick to my stomach. Right. Because you knew it was coming next. I knew it was coming next. Yeah. Yeah. Did, uh, did it help you guys, though? 
I gave them the best shot at beating St. Louis, <laughs> and uh, some guy named John Casey ended up with a new two-year deal <laughs> because of it. Yeah. I got no percentage off that contract. No, none, none whatsoever? <laughs> none. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll keep the Battle of Alberta talk going after the break as we head to the rink in Edmonton. That was awesome, by the way, to have both you guys after what we saw in Colorado. Unbelievable. Uh, David Amber next. We'll keep it going. Battle of Alberta counting down game four right here on Tim and Friends. It is year four of NHL Power Players, the initiative focused on selecting young hockey fans ages 13 to 17 to advise the league on the future of the NHL. You can apply now by visiting the link on your screen. And kids, if you are 13 to 17, you know exactly what I'm talking about. My dad is clueless right now. He is a Vesna Trophy nominee, so obviously voters thought the Flames' Jacob Marshall was one of the best three goalies in the league this season. In round one, he set a franchise postseason record for save percentage in a single series at 9.43, which makes the Flames' tendy troubles through three games of the Battle of Alberta all the more puzzling. Fresh off of being pulled in game three after allowing four goals on 32 shots, Marshall's save percentage in this series... 853, 90 points lower than it was versus the Stars. But maybe it's more than three games. Maybe it's a running theme. The Oilers have now scored four or more on Markstrom in six games this year. Only one other team in the league has done it more than once. And because of it, Markstrom has a goals against average of 442 versus the Oilers this year and 207 against everyone else. Is he worn down? Have the Oilers figured him out? Have the Oilers figured out the Flames' D? Or is this just a small sample size and Markstrom will eventually bounce back? All on the table in my mind. Here's Daryl Sutter on Markstrom earlier today. No, he hasn't been hung out to dry. <laughs> in fact, the last game was his best game. So, I, mean. I missed you after the game there tonight, but when you, when you pulled him, was that... Partly for rest for this game, or also kind of a message to your team. No, 100%. It's it's a series. It's not about the game. The scores for nothing at that point. I mean, it's about getting getting them ready again. And we will see if he is ready. Nick Caprios, Jesse Rubinoff, Tim McAuliffe, and David Amber has been on the road in Calgary and Edmonton since the start of the Battle of Alberta, and he joins us now. Amber, I know you're buff Bagwell and you take care of the old body, but I'm guessing <laughs> with Kelly Rudy that you got a few stakes in you along the way as you're traveling up and down Highway 2 there. We, we've been indulging a little bit. I, I can't deny it. It's been uh, it's been fun. We, we've been trying to get to the gym as well, but there's definitely been a few late night meals. Just tell me it's not like Sid Sixero and not well done when you do the steak. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's a crime, right? It's got to be medium rare or medium rare plus at most, right? Yeah. Kipper, come on. Help me here. Uh, DA, if... Uh... If they don't find a way to stop McDavid, are they cooked? Uh... <laughs> yeah, they, they well might be done. well done. Yeah. I, you know what? This is this is one of the worst three-game sequences defensively we've seen from the Flames all year. And I guess you can attribute that to, to 97 and 29 and what Evander Kane's been doing as well. Uh, you know what? We we watch Connor McDavid, and we all you know give him a few of praise about how good he is, how skilled he is. And then I've sat here and watched him in person the last three games, and it's a whole nother level. I can't believe what's going on, and there are no answers right now 
to Connor McDavid. And Daryl Sutter doesn't have last change, so Jay Woodcroft's going to be able to get out uh, the matchups he wants all game long uh, tonight. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle McDavid. But uh, it's, it's this crazy. And you started this whole interview with Markstrom, guys. It's a really crazy tale of two goalies, right? Think about the first five minutes of this series. Mike Smith, it was an absolute disaster. Three goals on ten shots. He's pulled. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this is exactly how a lot of people anticipated this series would go. The, the huge advantage, the Vesna finalist, Markstrom versus Mike Smith, the 40-year-old. Since then, Mike Smith's been the better goalie, though, in this series, which is a shocker. So they're going to need a big game for Markstrom. And they're certainly going to have to find a way to slow down the Oilers through the neutral zone because they've just readily had these uh, odd man rushes. And I don't blame Markstrom for the last game. It was unbelievable. The scoring chances he had in front of him, five feet, eight feet, six feet out. Dave, I've enjoyed uh, listening to you and Kelly break down the goaltender. So for, for Markstrom, like, does he have to come up with a, like a, a Jake Ottinger kind of performance here? Is that, is that what really needs to happen to stop 97? Well, they're certainly not going to have to be part of the equation, but I, I don't think they can make it incumbent on, on Markstrom. I mean, you saw those scoring chances, right? Like, look at the, look at the Oilers' last six goals, right? The 4-3 the goal, Zach Hyman breakaway. The 5-3 goal in Game 2, Leon Dreisaitl breakaway. And the four goals in, in Game 3 were all within about 7-8 feet of the net. You have Kane on these odd man rushes going full steam to the net. You have Hyman again going full steam to the net. Some beautiful passes from Dreisaitl. I, you know, I don't think we could put it on Markstrom, but absolutely. I mean, you heard the numbers. He can't have an 853 save percentage, as Tim pointed out. And this crowd, I will say, is one of the loudest buildings I've been in. It was absolutely electric. And you know, that was the Oilers' best start so far in this series. They scored all the goals in the second period, but they outshot the Flames. They had 21 shots on goal in the first period. So the start for Calgary will be key because, again, they don't want to chase the game, and they don't want to have to chase around Connor McDavid tonight. So Markstrom's going to be a big part of that, guys. But I, I also think they need a much better defensive uh, plan, essentially, through the neutral zone because maybe they got to adopt what the Kings were doing. Maybe they got to go to a 1-2-2 two, two and clog it up a little bit more. And I'm not sure that's what they want to do, but they certainly can't get in a track meet against this Edmonton team. Yeah, you wonder if it starts with physicality. You wonder if it starts with uh, adjustments. But listen, both of these coaches are going to hold their cards close to the chest. But does it feel like there may be some adjustments from the Calgary defense and maybe an addition in Chris Tanev? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speculate. I don't know. He did take the morning skate. He's been skating, though, uh, and we're not sure the nature of the injury, whether it's upper body or lower body. There's a lot of speculation. I'm not going to go down that path. But uh, from what I understand, it's a pretty serious injury. He hasn't played since, uh, you know, the sixth game of, of the last series. So we know he didn't play in game seven. We know how serious this injury must be for Chris Tanev. Um, you know what? He's probably watching his team and going, oh, my God, like that's that's walking into the inferno, right? You're walking into Connor McDavid dancing guys left and right and doing things we haven't seen yeah. at a level and a skill set we haven't seen before. So, uh, again, I, I think it's going to have to be by committee. And I know that sounds so cliche, but, you know, Kipper, when you were on your championship team in 94 and you had to shut down some pretty amazing teams, it, it wasn't necessarily a guy or a line. It had to be sort of all hands on deck. Uh, and great goaltending like you had with Mike Richter. I think they, they need all of those things to, to even this series up and, and kind of regain the momentum and regain the home ice advantage in this Battle of Alberta. Yeah, and uh, a great supporting cast. Are, are we, David, underestimating what Evander Kane has done to change the look of the Edmonton Oilers? 
I, I don't think we are. I mean, I, I think he's been that good. I, 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 listen, he leads the playoffs in goals. He leads the playoffs in hits. He leads the playoffs in shots on goal. Uh, you know, like that's a pretty good hat trick of things to <laughs> be holding on your resume right now. Ten games into the postseason. Timely goals and impactful time. Uh, Connor McDavid loves playing with him. And one thing we should give him credit for, guys, is how many guys can skate with Connor McDavid, right? Like when Connor McDavid's making all these moves and going up ice, you know who's stride for stride on his, on his side is Evander Kane. That's why he scored the three goals last game. So um, it's been the perfect fit. Uh, you know, hats off right now to Ken Holland, right? Yeah. He took a chance signing Mike Smith to the two-year deal. He took the chance uh, bringing in Duncan Keith. He took the chance with Evander Kane. And right now he's getting the checklist of it's working, it's working, it's working. And Zach Hyman arguably was one of the most impactful offseason pickups any team had this uh, this year. Yeah, you had Kulak. I mean, this was a much maligned Ken Holland. I was mm-hmm. sitting here and people were asking me, can Jay Woodcroft be the key? And I said, not without goaltending. Like, he is going to need goaltending. And lo and behold, Mike Smith has played uh, up to the level that we saw him in the regular season last year in these posts, in this playoffs. Like, has the, has the narrative around Ken Holland changed in Edmonton based on all of those names? Kane, CeCe, Keith, Kulak. I mean, a lot of these were Barry. A lot of these were pointed at and said, you can't win with this. And lo and behold, they are. Well, you started asking me about the meals that Kelly and I have been eating. I can assure you Ken Holland is not paying for any meals in the, uh, the city of Edmonton right now. I'm sure he's been you know, bestowed on a pedestal for all the moves he's made. It's been, it's been one smart move after another. And maybe the favorite moment of the last game was Mike Smith leaving in the protocol, concussion protocol. Coming back, it was like a WWE uh, entrance, right? You saw the swagger and the crowd all stands up. They salute him. It was kind of an unbelievable moment. So he's riding the wave right now, and I think Mike Smith is really embracing this moment. I mean, one thing when you're 40 is you, you you know how hard it is to get here, right? He hasn't had this kind of level of success in a decade. He knows this could be a, his final chance uh, legitimately to make a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's, he's really soaking it up right now, and I think the Flames are a little bit on their heels watching what Mike Smith's been able to do. He's been so good since getting pulled, right? 69 of 73 saves, so it's been really spectacular to see. Nice. Uh, DA, always appreciate you doing this. Uh, enjoy Edmonton. Enjoy Calgary. We'll talk to you soon. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Thanks for having me on, guys. Enjoy. Thanks, Dave. There is David Amber in Edmonton getting you set for game four between the Flames and the Oilers. I I really think that uh, for Calgary, they just got to stay on Mike Smith. They got to keep putting pressure. I'm not suggesting that uh, Lucic go out there and do what he did before, but there's always that element with Mike Smith is that uh, you don't know whether or not he's going to serve one up the middle of the ice, you know, for, uh, for a bad pass. Or that he could disappear. He could get hurt. I mean, he's got that reputation on, on you don't know how a 40-year-old body's going to react every other day here. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Guaranteed I, I the talk in there is that they're going after they're him. They're going right? to go like, after yeah. him. Get that. Tra- and then it's, it's cliches. Get that traffic in front of the net. Get pucks to the net. Make sure they're driving hard. Like, they're going to attempt to put as much pressure on Mike Smith as they possibly Mike can. Smith's, again, uh, outperforming Markstrom. Nobody saw that coming. And, and Calgary's going to have to find a way to change that narrative. Do, do you think that, like, listen, th- there's a fine line, and I understand it sitting here, like, Giving Ken Holland the credit for the CCs, the Keiths, the Heim, I think the yeah. Hyman deal, the Kane deals worked out really well. Or is this just Connor McDavid? It's, it's still, a, it is Connor, yeah. yeah. It is a lot of it's Connor, but they are playing well and uh, they're getting contributions. And it's, it's just not about scoring, but it's about maintaining a, 
um, a momentum. It's about not taking your foot off the gas pedal when, when 97 isn't on the ice. And I think that for the most part, uh, Edmonton's been able to do that. But, you know, we're in the middle of the second round. Yeah. I mean, it's still plenty of time Baby here steps. to give more credit. But the Evander Kane to me is the biggest one. Right. To, to, to grab a guy, to take a chance on where 25 other teams would look at Evander out of San Jose and go, yeah. oh, yeah. no, no. And there's still general managers right now that if you offered them Evander Kane for a million and a half, they still wouldn't take him. Right. And I'm sitting there going, well, like, wouldn't you at least think about it? Yeah. Like, these guys don't grow on trees. But let's be honest. Edmonton kind of sort of needed a guy like that. Like, it was – there was a little bit of desperation from Edmonton, we just, and it's worked out. We heard from David, and he said, how many guys – could not keep up with Connor McDavid until you found a guy that could keep up with him. Yeah. Score goals. For me, the number one thing is he's tough. Yeah. Legit tough to the point where even Calgary knows he's tough and he's riding shotgun with Connor. Right. It's making a big difference. Right. I need to look no further than Toronto to understand what it means to have toughness on the line with the superstar. All right, Kipper sticking around. We'll do last call. Jesse Rubinoff, have a little fun, then send it to MSG. Game four, Canes and Rangers coming up next. What do you know about MSG, Kipper? Ah, good popcorn. <laughs> Tim and friends, I am Tim McAuliffe. Sitting beside me is the lovely and talented Nick Kiprios, and taking the reins for last call is Jesse Rubinoff. What's up, Rubes? Well, Timmy, you said we would go back to uh, the Blue Jays question that we sent out on Twitter yes. earlier about whether panic it's button. time to hit the panic Hold on, button. Kipper, before we get to what the... F- oh, uh, Quick on the trigger. 62% say we need to hit the panic button. Wow. Nick Kiprios, do you agree Almost 3, votes, with the Chris. 62% that say we, we have both a don't panic button yeah. and a panic button on this iPad beside me? Do you agree with the 62% of the fans? Uh, I don't. You don't? No. No, I think it's too early. Technically, they're in a playoff spot, aren't they? They are. It's changed. And they're not at the 50-game mark. But you don't hit the panic button when you're in deep trouble. You hit it before you hit the deep trouble, right? Either way, this this show is of the fans, so I'm sorry. (laughs) What is the answer, then? They, They told me to do it. I agree with you. I said wait. I I said wait a little bit. I said wait for the end of the road trip. But 62% of them said hit the panic button. There is. This is the don't panic button. Don't panic. Don't panic. We're just getting started. So for Kipper and I. Don't panic. Don't panic. We're just getting started. Don't panic. We just getting started. Don't panic. However, for the people, and this is the show of the people, 62%. That's uh, the next question. That is the next question. Is it a hitting new, coach? New GM or a new, uh, sorry, a manager? New manager? No, I don't think you're down that road yet. But that's the evolution of the panic bus. few that's options. we go after, yeah. Trade, hitting coach, manager. Yeah, I don't know if we want to go there yet. Uh, okay. Um, the Florida Panthers were swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. And maybe this is why. According to two hosts of a Tampa Bay radio show, the Panthers were out partying as late as 3 a.m. on Monday morning. 
Head coach Andrew Brunette de- denied the claim. Kipper, do you believe these reports? Well, first of all, I thought they played one of their best games. And if if it is true, they should have gone before game one to the, <laughs> to the strip joint. 49 <laughs> shots, yeah. you're right. In yeah. a perfect world, yeah. you say no bat on them if it's true. But some guys tend to play well guilty. And you don't know the like you don't know the result. They win this game, you're gonna look back and say, hey, it wasn't about going to the strict joint, it was about being together. It was about relaxing. It was about taking well, I don't know the about pressure. Relaxing. Team bonding. Team bonding. Team bonding. Yeah. Right? Hold on a second, hold on a second. If that was That's a Canadian a market, yes, and there was a report of a team staying out, I don't care where they went. Staying out till 3 a.m. the day before a game. Like, this would be a massive story. And if they lost, every one of them would be absolutely roasted. We would have talked about it for two hours. People would have been demanding trades. People, like, the difference, if if ever anyone wanted to know the difference between a Canadian market and an American market, just look what happens with Florida after this story. And what would, like, if this was a Canadian market. Huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. But if it's true... Just make sure you win. That's all. And you're fine. <laughs> so you lost. Yeah. And they lost. Did you ever have any team? Never mind. I won't ask. <laughs> <laughs> all right. According to uh, Kevin Weeks, John Tortorella has been interviewed for the vacant head coaching position with the Philadelphia Flyers. Tortorella last coached in the National Hockey League during the 2020-21 season and has since had some controversial takes as an analyst. Timmy, can Torts be an effective coach this in today's is, NHL? This is so Philadelphia. Is it not, Kipper? Like... They know that bringing Tortorella in with their fan base that still responds 40 years later to the Broad Street Bullies, 50 years later to the Broad Street Bullies, like this feels like they are playing to their fan base here and would be so Philadelphia, even if he didn't work. I I think that there is still... Listen, Daryl Sutter's back in the NHL and he's going to be coach of the year, right? And at the time when he was hired, there were some that thought this is a recycled... I was wondering if this was just an easy hire for Calgary and it's worked out well for them. There's still room for that guy. I don't know if John Tortorella is that guy. I don't think for one second that he's going to go in there and have the impact of a Daryl Sutter on Calgary uh, that he would. First of all, uh, Philly's not that close. No. You can sit there and say... Uh, even with Johnny Gaudreau having an off year, coming back, playing out his option, Markstrom, Tanov, those additions just from a year ago. Right. Calgary was in a better situation to make vast improvements. I don't think Tortorella is going to go in there and make Philly a contender in the next year or two. This is just pandering to the fan base that you know would heat up in Tortorella there, right? Yeah, and he wants the job bad, I hear. So um, I don't know. Do you think he'll be the guy? For you're going to do it for a million and a half, two million. Where would the attraction be for Philadelphia to take a guy that should be in a position to help teams win now, not grow the young kids into three, four, five year? That's a a recipe for a disaster. Nobody on the Flyers would be allowed to do the Zegris for the Michigan. Uh, It was a day to remember over a decade ago for Canucks fans. On this day, 11 years ago, Kevin Bieksa scored the game-winning goal in double overtime of Game 5 to send Vancouver to the Stanley Cup Final. Kipper, what was the biggest goal of your career? Oh, God. I had one in the playoffs. I had one against Patrick Waugh. Well, that's, Um, that's nice. 
Was it a nice one or was oh, it a... it was a, a ripper from the blue line. Oh, yeah? High glove on. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Am I going to find Not out? Not quite BX, uh, <laughs> but uh, I know good for the Kiprios family. Nice. Uh, okay, game four between the uh, Hurricanes and Rangers for Madison Square Garden is next right here on Sportsnet. The Hurricanes can take a 3-1 stranglehold on the series, but will have to shake off their road woes to do so. Carolina are 0-4 on the road this postseason and are the only team remaining in the playoffs to not win a road game. Tim, does that streak end tonight? I think so. I, I think so. I think Carolina is better than New York, and I haven't seen the regular season Shesterkin in this series or in the previous series yet, though if he does show up, I may change that. Uh, you mentioned Nick Kiprios, the Kiprios family. Yes. I understand big day coming up in the Kiprios household. Yes, uh, my daughter's graduating. Which is the good news, uh, for nice. sure. Look at that. The, the bad news is that uh, we're still carrying a very high salary cap. <laughs> uh, she has a very high AAV, oh, yeah. and uh, I can't buy her out. So despite the uh, despite the graduation, she's still on the books? She's still on the books. <laughs> is awesome. Congratulations, Annie. Uh, that is great. Uh, and that is that is your three of three. Yes. That is the hat trick for the Kiprios family. And I'm told no matter what, they keep coming back. <laughs> so yeah, good. Totally I don't know of that yet. I'm at uh, 11 and 10. Kiprios, thanks for doing this, man. My pleasure. Jesse, too. thanks as always, thanks, my friend. Steve. Thanks, Kipper. That does it for us. Up next, Sportsnet East Ontario and Pacific. It is off to MSG for the Canes and Rangers. Game number four. The Canes up two games to one. Hockey Central, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on Sportsnet West, followed, of course, by Game 4 in Edmonton. Blue Jays Central about to get going on Sportsnet 1, followed by the Jays and the Cars. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have yourself a great night. Still high AAV. It's Toronto, man. <laughs> so, like,